0: and welcome to another exciting episode of One Shot. I'm James D'Amato, your host and game master. This week, we're returning to Fate as we play Iron Edda by Tracy Barnett. Iron Edda combines mechs with Norse mythology, putting players in a world where humans stave off Ragnarok by piloting the bones of giants. As a setting, it's metal as hell, and Fate Accelerated rules give players enough mechanical gas to set the world on fire. Iron Etta was already successfully kickstarted, and there are even a few adventure expansions out there. You can pick it up now on DriveThruRPG. Just click the link in our show notes. I want to give a quick thank you to Jeff Stormer of the Party of One podcast and All My Fantasy Children podcast for being our guest editor on this series. Jeff, you saved my life. With all of that out of the way, let's get to the show. All right, heroes, let's meet our party for this week. Let's, let's start with Liz Anderson, who I believe I hurt, I injured in some way with the way I started this I just episode. just make
1: myself susceptible to being shocked <laughs> when you
0: start things. I mean, at least it wasn't spit this time. Oh, thank Jesus. Fuck. Uh, Liz, we're going to be playing Iron Etta today. Yeah. Uh, have you played a fake game before? Never, ever, ever, ever. So you're feeling real confident right now. Feeling awesome. Uh, I think it's going
1: to be fun. Oh no, it'll be fun. It'll I'll be just fine. do poorly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, let, let's let's move on. Uh, maybe, maybe somebody else here will have more confidence. Uh, what about Mike Migdal? Hey, what's up? I I don't I don't know if I have more confidence.
2: <laughs> Jesus, I'm thinking about it my well, whole life now. I feel
0: I can rapidly see the confidence like evaporating off you as you. Do, contemplate. Do, hey
2: Liz, was Rockalypse a Fate game, or was Rockalypse Rockalypse? Rockalypse
0: was a Fate game. So was it
2: plus
1: and minuses? Yeah, I thought it was just six regular six sided.
0: Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, it was. It was definitely plus and minuses. Man,
1: first of all, I don't think I rolled a lot. <laughs> Second of all, isn't we- that a game that we ruined for some poor designer?
0: Uh- no, I think we did a
1: good. Job. I, I had him.
2: fun. Did yeah. they not have fun? What the
1: hell?
2: <laughs> I did have fun, right? I'm doing fine. Earlier, we were talking about the gorilla that's on the cover of Fade, and it turns out I just found out that you can you can be that gorilla mm. if you want. Uh, so, <laughs> hoping that today we get some good uh, gorilla content. Mm, good, mm. good, good, good. Uh, finally, we we got
0: Adira Slattery. Hello, uh, Adira. Welcome back to the show. Yeah. Um, uh, so you, are you a fate person? You, mm-hmm. yeah, I've fate... actually written published fate adventures. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah. Um, and that's like coming out very soon.
3: It's already out. Yeah. Oh. Can, I'm in the Fate codex volume three. You can get it on DriveThruRPG. There's a bunch of other cool other stuff, but other cool designers in it. It's cool stuff. My thing's is silly pirate adventure. Oh, rad. Yeah.
0: Mm hmm. Uh, I, I, this, the adventure that we're about to play, uh, has a bit of a more unique setting and, uh, or not like, it, it, this is not just pirates, I guess is the thing that I'm trying to express. <laughs> uh, and to explain it, uh, it, we have the creator of, uh, this, uh, version of fate. Uh, and that is Tracy. Hey, how's it going? Tracy, thank you for joining us. I am, uh, completely thrilled to be here. Uh, this is wonderful. Um, so please explain to us what Iron Edda is and sure. what
4: we're going to be doing. Uh, so I will give you the, uh, the brief elevator pitch. Iron Edda is a game where Ragnarok happened in the form of 50-foot-tall metal dwarven destroyers rising out of the ground. <gasps> and humanity said, oh, gods, oh, gods, what do we do? And Loki said, hey, I have this thing that I totally didn't steal from the dwarves that will let you take the spirits of your bravest warriors and bond them to the bones of dead giants. And you all can Pacific Rim this shit.
1: Oh, it's mechs. Oh, no. <laughs>
4: sort of. It's like uh, sort of.
2: bony, bony magic mechs. Yes, bony, bony magic. This is the magic bone mech
0: game. It's magic mech XXL. No, no. I,
4: I, okay, so there's a magic happening on my bone. head.
0: <laughs> now, why did you not consider calling this magic bone mechs?
4: Uh? <laughs> um, you know, I was a much less confident designer when I first came up with the title, and mm-hmm. I figured that I need to have something that sounded appropriately uh, Norse and metal, and mm-hmm. so magic bone mechs just didn't... I don't know, never crossed into my mind. Wow. <laughs> interesting.
0: Interesting. What an interesting design process.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How professional. Mm -hmm. thank you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Tracy, uh,
4: how do we play? Uh, So we are going to do a few different things. We're going to start off by each of you will choose the destiny for your character, and I have them all lined up over here. Uh, I am going to flip to one right away because Adira and I have talked a little bit beforehand, and I know which one she is interested in. Cool. Uh, So I'm going to hand Adira... The rune scribed. I'll also just take whatever. So
2: well. let let the destiny choose you.
4: Yeah. yeah fair enough. Mm. Uh, then let me run down these real quick. We have a bandit. Uh, we have the bone bonded. This is the person who has the uh, the big bandric bone mech. Yes. Uh, we have the crafter. We have a farmer. Wait, uh, you play people who don't have a big bone mech? Yes. Oh
0: boy, that seems like poor strategy. Like, Out the you gate, see? you can yeah. yeah why would you do that? Let's maybe
4: all have big bone macs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, do you have a, a copy machine around, or? <laughs>
0: uh, I mean, we we don't all have to put yeah. uh, that yeah. was that was <laughs>
2: probably not. no. Let's yeah. no one be the big bone mech. All right, let's leave that one off the table. <laughs>
4: <laughs> That's I, I have I have run a game where everyone was Sears. Everyone decided to play the magical manipulators. Yeah, we we were going through the
0: game before I rudely interrupted to ask more about Bone Max. That's okay. Uh, I've got like
4: six more bits. Uh, (laughs) uh, Just six? Just just nine in the morning. (laughs) Uh,
2: I mean, six is pretty good for nine a.m. on a Sunday. Fair enough. I'm normally in church at this time. (laughs) (laughs)
4: Mm -hmm. Uh, We have a leader. We have a merchant. We have a priest. uh, We have the rune scribed. We have a seer, a scald, and a shield bearer. A scald? Scald. uh, Think a Norse bard.
0: Oh, um, yeah. Shield Bearer, does that have anything to do with
4: bone mechs? Uh, Stopping them from punching their fists through your your village, sure, yeah.
0: Oh, okay.
4: Yeah, so the 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 core can see, like you get that elevator pitch, right? But mm-hmm. the, the way this game plays out is even the bone bonded is just a person living in the holdfast. And we're going to create that holdfast as well. So everyone has ways they can interact with the story and figure out when you're just a person in the world who has how do you interact with the society around you? Because when you don't have your bone mech out, you have the spirit of a dead giant living inside of your head at all times. (gasps) So like, that's a thing. And that giant uh, misses things about being alive in the world and wants to indulge in those things on a giant scale. Right. So you're, but then, but you're just, you know, bury the Viking living in your holdfast who has this giant. You still have to interact and live in the world to be a person. So, mm. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a lot going on. Uh, so go ahead and, and you can and also take, be a farmer.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then there's me.
4: <laughs> I'm the dirt farmer. I farm <laughs> yeah, all the dirt. So the the rune scribe
3: is pretty interesting cuz they have this like runic based powers mm-hmm. and they can slowly replace all of their stats with their rune. Yeah. as they become like as
4: the rune as the power. magic takes over their body mm-hmm. and eventually they pop. Yeah, it's pretty fun.
1: Pardon? Um, uh huh. <laughs> they do too much magic and then they explode. Yes. Yeah. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Very good. Yeah.
0: Does anyone it, really so sort we... of like us with comedy? <laughs> us.
1: <laughs> Whoa. 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 Wow. Yeah. The dynamic is We're strong. We're back here. Me being mean to James.
2: <laughs> Friends, does anyone want to be the bone bonded? That's a really good question. Not particularly. No. You should do it, James. You should do it. Are you sure you don't want to?
4: Yeah, do it. Jail, oh, do please, you want
2: to be the bone bonded? Please be the bone bonded. All right, one. I'll
4: I, be the bone I, bonded. I, I may or may not have imagined uh, voicing a dead giant opposite you playing a character. So Excellent. okay.
2: So uh, all right, yeah, I will be a. I'll be the bone bonded. Freaking boner bonded, uh,
4: Elliot.
1: Dude, like see.
0: a langus. I'm gonna pull a random destiny. I'm very excited about this. I think that I is probably, badass.
4: Probably will too.
0: I picked the merchant. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. There's nothing I love more than buying and selling.
1: Selling <laughs> so what you're buying.
0: These, uh, it's, it, it's told me these are my lifeblood. So I'm definitely going to be selling bones to everyone. I hope to buy some bones or and, even sell some and bones. bonds, yeah. frankly.
4: Mm. Bonds. Buy bone bonds. Liz gleefully shuffling through is, is great gratefully <laughs> work on the mic right there. <laughs>
1: Be a crafter,
4: a crafter. I take sh- a bone crafter, a bone
1: crafter, yeah. a boner crafter. Am I right? Sexy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, take shape and mold if the raw materials found around your holdfast.
4: All right. And speaking of the holdfast, uh, you all have these sheets in front of you. We're going to get to filling them out in a second because the first thing that we do is we are going to make the place that you were all from. This is going to provide us the story hooks for how for what we're going to play, and it'll give you things to tie your character into when we get to the actual playing of said character. So uh, Adira, you have done this before, so mm-hmm. I'm going to uh, start with you as the exemplar if you don't mind. Okay. Uh, to do this, we're going to roll on a set of tables, and you will end up with a question that I ask you. You can answer that question however you see fit, and uh, if there's setting information that seems unclear or, or the question lacks context, I'll give you some setting information and We'll read that into the world. Then, those index cards in the middle of the table there, you will draw something on one of those cards to represent your answer to the question. That is going to become sort of our map to look at uh, as, we are, as we're playing. Uh, so this is a little bit different than regular uh, fate die rolling. So Adira, would you please roll two dice? And just read the results off to me. Plus, plus. Plus, plus. Your category is hanging in the balance. Mm-hmm. Roll one die. Blank. Blank, uh, this takes place in the present. Two dice. Negative. So, uh, blank and one? Yeah. Okay, here is your question. The Jarl's treasury has been depleted by the war. To what lengths will the Jarl go to cover the loss? How will this affect the war? And the war is the fact of the war against the dwarves. Mm-hmm.
3: I think that the Jarl, the leader of our holdfast, whoever that is, whether that's one of us or an NPC or somebody, mm-hmm. um, that the Jarl goes to great lengths to cover for this loss uh the Yarl doesn't like this definitely wants to like save a lot of face and so has been starting to try and convince people to just sort of sell everything that's not nailed down
4: so the Jarl is holding a uh <laughs> a viking fire sale in mm-hmm. the middle of ragnarok yep okay uh so, sell everything that is not nailed it down. Wonderful. Uh, so, draw something on our map there that represents uh, your answer to that question. And for reference and scale, I just drew a very clumsy box in the middle of that one card. That is roughly the walls of the Holdfast itself. If we end up doing stuff that is all within the confines of the walls, we'll change the card layout. But that is your Holdfast, and the lands around it are the other cards.
3: I, I drew a road, sort of coming off with like a trading post.
4: Okay, wonderful. Uh, would you just uh, label that road or trading post so we can see that? Uh, in the meantime, uh, James, would you like to go next? Yes, yes I would. Okay, roll two dice, please. And just read off the results. That's going to be minus one. Uh, is it blank and minus? A blank and minus, Okay, uh, your category is Blessing of the Gods. Uh, roll one die. Okay. That's blank. Present again. Roll two dice.
0: Double plus, baby. Double
4: plus, folks. Say, or folks, folks. Yeah, <laughs> folks. Say the forges of the blacksmith ring with the sound of Thor's own hammer. Who is this blacksmith? What do they do to earn such an honor? What does this, what does this honor mean for your Holdfast?
0: Let's see here. Uh, our Holdfast is, is home to a uh, popular blacksmith. I, I think we're all very proud uh, that that he's here. He does. A lot of cool things for the bone monsters. He makes their shoes. <laughs> uh, so that's great. That's wonderful. And as the Jarl of this Holdfast, uh, I couldn't be prouder. <laughs> this is be- the Forge, obviously, yeah. uh, you know, we depend on a lot from it. We've had to sell off quite a few pieces, but he's made do uh, without uh, a lot. And we're all very happy about that.
4: Uh, does this blacksmith happen to have a name? Oh yes.
0: Uh, that would be Jormald Faulty Towers, and it's your brother. <laughs> okay, great. My brother, whose name is Jormald Faulty Towers.
4: <laughs> I'm y'all Sigrid Faulty Towers. Alright, hang on. Get my get my character map out here. <laughs> a little early. All good. Oh yeah, and total aside, uh, this setting is completely uh, equitable so you can be any any expression of gender that you wish within canon.
1: What? What?
4: Canonically, (laughs) any gender. What? (laughs) Awesome. Uh, Would you then draw something on the map that represents your answer to that question? Okay. And then while you are doing that, Liz Anderson, would you like to answer a question? Yes. Two dice, please. Plus minus. Plus minus. Your category is sword talk, axe talk. One die. That's the name of my podcast.
1: Sword talk, (laughs) axe talk. Plus.
4: Plus the future. Mm. Two dice. Two dice. Two dice, please. Oh, a ring Yeah. <laughs> Minus. Minus and blank. Yes. Minus and blank. The jarl is planning a night assault on a dwarven position. What preparations are needed to make the maneuver successful? What issue is the jarl ignoring?
1: Well, when it's a night assault, we're having trouble seeing in the dark. We're just humans with our little human eyes, after all. So I'm crafting a bunch of uh, 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 lights that flash. Light—they uh, call them a a, a flashlight. I uh, but I feel like we are overstepping our own boundaries. We are not thinking about the temperature of the evening, or perhaps if we'll be sleepy. So we are not having taken proper naps before we attack this dwarven stronghold. I'm not going to complain, but I think I will. But anyway, I do have full faith in the Jarl, my brother, whom I love very much, and I will- I hope he does okay.
4: So in other words, the Jarl's just doing a piss-poor job of all of this? Yes. Okay, <laughs> cool. <laughs> I <laughs> don't know I would characterize it that way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wonderful. Would you draw something on the map that represents your answer to that question? Okay. And uh, Mike, yes. roll two dice for me, please. Two dice. I got a plus and a neutral. Political maneuvers. One die, please. One die. I got a plus. The future, again, two dice for the last time. Two minuses. Two uh, minuses. That's not good. Escape. A number of prisoners and indebted thralls have escaped from the place where they labored for the Jarl. How does the Holdfast react to this escape? And what is the first action the group of escapees takes against the Jarl who held them? We should have. We should have executed them. We should have executed them when we had the chance.
2: These no-good cowards refusing to stand in battle against the dwarves. Um, can you repeat the question? Uh,
4: Well, you've you've answered the first part of it. Apparently the Holdfast thinks that these uh, escapees should have just been killed rather than held.
2: Some of them hold this view. Some of them hold it fast. Others uh, wanted to show mercy to them. The mercy that the dwarves never showed us in their dealings. This is Balbadon the Liar, the the giant speaking through the voice of uh, Zarmak River Drinker right now. Yes! All
4: right. All right. Do that voice for me one more time because I'm gonna, probably gonna have to try and mimic it. <laughs> uh, it's basically the okay. bad guy from Galaxy Quest. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Baladon um, the liar. Uh, what the the second part of the question is what is the first action that the the escapees take against the Jarl who held them? So they they do something p- presumably in retaliation for that for being held.. Uh, yeah, they they
2: flee to the uh, Dwarven stronghold. With uh, rumblings of uh, and for intel, they got intel. They they know what the prisons are like uh, in the holdfast. They know. Uh, one of them overheard. Nice. Yeah, one of them (laughs) poor. One of they they know the identity of the uh, the bone bonder, the the person who
4: makes the bond.
2: Uh, yeah, the person who has the giant inside. Because
0: okay,
2: uh, I don't know if it's like a secret thing. Can be. Uh, but in, yeah, sure, maybe okay. it's secret.
0: Awesome. Is it like secret secret identity secret? So we don't know who actually has this. <gasps> so so, so so does yeah,
4: does the Holdfast
0: not know that Zarmaz is the bone bonded?
2: Uh, they let's say they don't. They don't yeah. know Zarmak Zarmac, nice. Z- Zarmac the, River Zarmac. Drinker is is the uh, is the bone bonded. They just know that a bone bonded appears when it's time to go
4: and it, and they don't put two and two together that Zarmak goes into that one phone booth and it gets destroyed every time a bone bonder comes out absolutely not
2: <laughs> yeah they just, they just keep rebuilding that phone, my booth. phone booth Zarmak oh,
0: no. what do you mean Zarmak he's a coward he's <laughs> never <laughs> around anytime there's anything cool happening
2: Zarmac
4: <laughs> is the laziest boy in all the holdfast. fast wonderful He <laughs> so
0: keeps
1: hurting my phone booth
4: <laughs> so draw something on the map that represents your answer to that question and I will round this out with one uh, question of my own Uh, So we got a a minus and a blank again, so another blessing of the gods. And then we got something that deals with the past, and then we have plus and blank. I love how, how all this comes together. The golden halls of your holdfast are the envy of all in Midgard. Why were they built? What is required to keep them up? And why does the Jarl guard them so jealously?
0: What do you mean, why were they built? It's a nice hall. We, <laughs> we need a good hall. We've got to put up a brave face in times of war and strife and hardship. People come to that hall and they say, that's a nice hall. I craft out of my great sadness. And sure, yes, a lot of the art is inspired by sadness. That's why times are so tough. Times are so lean. We need that hall
4: to take us through these hungry times. So it was built because the yarrow is egomaniacal, and...
0: (laughs) Okay, sure, it's got a big depiction of my face on the outside, and the inside, and the ceiling, and the floors, and the pillars. Many of my resources are for golden baubles and boobles instead of
1: weaponry.
4: And it's not being sold for morale. Yeah, morale. So so, so everything else in the holdfast is being sold off to pay the massive debt that was incurred by building the Golden Hall, mm-hmm. which is being kept up because of morale.
2: In In this world, do we have, uh, like, where do we get gold from? Do we, like, trade with other, other human holdfasts?
4: Entirely possible, or it could have been mined. Um, just oh, because something didn't towards. come up in one of the questions doesn't mean that it's not a thing. You can instantiate things into the world within the reasonable bounds of fiction. So, sure, if there, you want there to be an... A now depleted gold mine near your holdfast, that's completely reasonable. <laughs> yeah, in fact, the I road said, coming into the Holdfast
3: I did name the gold road.
4: Ooh there oh. so, you go. Yeah. Uh so Liz, since you're closest to that card, uh in place of me drawing something, would you just draw a little indicator near the end of the gold road that is the uh now depleted mine? Thank y'all.
0: I like the idea that we had these gold mines near us and dwarves are almost like like a locust like plague, but just for mining resources. Yeah.
4: No, and and so in this setting, dwarves are much more like gollum than they are Gimli. They're actual Norse dwarves, so mm-hmm. they're wriggling little things underground. They are clever crafters. They do turn to stone when light hits them, which is why when they attack, they attack in fully enclosed, massive metal monstrosities mm. that are about fifty feet tall. Wow! Those are the dwarven That's destroyers. That's wild. Yeah. So uh, this is our hold fest. These are our story hooks that we have to work with, and now we will flesh out your characters. So the uh, sheet that has all the boxes on it of everything that I've given you, where most of you have written your names. Um, uh, Adira, do you have a name for your character?
3: Oh, yes. Uh,
4: my character is Asta Hearthtinder. Wonderful. Uh, and we'll go. Pronounce over she, her. Cool. We'll go over the names uh, again, but we are going to fill all of this out. You all will see under where it says the name of your destiny, there's a set of boxes that says Aspects. Uh, in Fate... Every Fate game, to my knowledge, uh, you have two aspects for every character: a high concept and a trouble. Aspects are short descriptive phrases that make things true. Uh, They're also used mechanically within the game. So, for example, Han Solo's uh, high concept is uh, smuggler with a heart of gold. His trouble is neck deep in debt to Jabba the Hutt. Uh, We'll explain how to use those mechanically, but that gives you an idea of of these things. So we'll go through this a little procedurally. We'll do everyone's high concepts first. So think of your character as a person in the world. What is the most true thing about them? And then we can distill it. If If you're like, well, they're sort of like this and sort of like that, I can help you distill it into a short pithy little phrase because aspects are my absolute favorite thing about this game.
2: I have this friend from high school who uh, told me one time that he was like, yeah, I really don't want anything from life or something. like mm-hmm. he, he was so adamant about, he was like, yeah, I just want to sit on my couch and watch TV and like, I'm not going to apologize for it.
4: So, I, so you want, so is that the kind of uh, ethos you're thinking for your character? I'm thinking that
2: for Zarmak, uh, but of course he has this giant bonded to him. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking it was like a secret bat. Uh, baptizing, like he yeah. was given this as a baby, uh, and <laughs> okay, cool, has had to kind of grow up with this secret, and maybe the person who did it is now dead, so now no one remembers who the bone
4: bonded was, who, who the chosen child was, yeah, and
2: and this. This kid who is still, I would say, let's say they're a teen. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They hashtag teens. Yeah, it's it's pretty much Naruto, right? Uh, oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, Naruto, but without wanting to be the Hokage, without wanting to be the do Okay. Sure. Like
0: <laughs> i ambition. I
1: just like punching. I just want
2: to do normal kid stuff. What's the name of the giant that spawned his arm? Uh,
4: ba- Balbadon the liar. <laughs> You, by the way, are probably this is probably the fastest anyone else has come up with a name for their giant in any game of this that I've ever played. It was wonderful. Oh, thank you. Yeah. The giant thank you. has always been here. Uh, the note that's very accurate. So, for your high concept, uh, let's say something like um, I don't owe life anything. Cool. Is that, does that work? Yeah, I love it. Awesome. Adira, what about your character? So,
3: Asta Tinder is a rune scribed. Mm-hmm. Rune scribed. I pick from this big menu of sweet ass runes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they give me magic
4: powers. Yep, you get to pick one that is inscribed upon your flesh in some manner.
3: Yes, I picked Dagaz, which is the rune of day, dawn, and fire. So I think uh, I think Asta is the is the sort of person who is like actually knowingly out there on the front lines mm-hmm. fighting the dwarves. Like people know who she is. Uh, she's using all this
4: fire magic. And my name is Asta, you know, you, but you already knew that. Hmm. Yeah. Something like, like, cause everyone, you're a known quantity mm-hmm. in the world. Does that, does that ring true? Yeah. Yeah. What about something like
3: uh friend to some scourge to many? Mm, that sounds mm. like a good trouble. Yeah. Right there from of trouble.
4: All right. We'll come back to your high concept. Sometimes this is the way things go. People often will get their high concept and their trouble jammed into one sentence, and we have to peel them apart. But finding the trouble first is no problem.
0: Cool. Uh, My high concept is end the nails, too. Uh, I'll sell (laughs) anything, even what's nailed down, and also
4: the nails. Oh, I love it. Wonderful. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, uh, Liz, what's uh, what's your high concept?
1: High concept is a useful hand. Uh, mm-hmm.
4: Jormald just wants to be useful and uh, have efficacy. Awesome. And it looks like I see a trouble written down there as well, so let's just dive right My great
1: water. sadness! <laughs> 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 no one knows if something happened. No one knows if that is just a general malaise, but poor Jormald has a great <laughs> sadness.
4: Poor Jormald. Poor Jormald.
1: <laughs> poor Jormald.
4: Uh, all right. And uh, Zarmak.
2: I feel like, I don't know if this is too vague, but the trouble could just be I got a giant problem.
4: <laughs> <laughs> nope, that is perfect, actually. Oh, 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 oh. Um, the bone bond does tend to offer itself up as a very easily accessible trouble in this game, uh, so that's fine.
2: It's hard going through puberty when you got a freaking giant, you got Balbadon the liar
4: in your head. <laughs> what is happening to your body? I'm getting a boner. <laughs> Disgusting. This is is not how giants procreate. How'd you? uh, We'll get get into that. Nasty. Nasty. They bud.
0: (laughs) Um. I'm getting a butter. it's james your game master welcome to the canned mid-roll that i recorded so that i could go on my trips with the holidays coming up it's time to start looking for presents to get your friends and if there's someone in your life who loves rpgs and actual play like shows in the one-shot network critical role the adventure zone or any of the other hundreds of amazing shows out there consider getting them a copy of the ultimate rpg gameplay guide In my new book, I tried to break down the process of running the kind of narrative games you hear on podcasts and watch on streams. It was written for both players and GMs, so it's a perfect fit for anyone who enjoys a story-driven game. You can find an online or brick-and-mortar retailer by heading to bit.ly slash rpggameplay, Or, if you already have a copy, you can leave an Amazon review by going to bit.ly slash ultimategameplay. I am extremely jazzed about the prospect of one of my books being a holiday gift, so please share the love with your friends. Before we get back to the show, I want to take a quick moment to thank some of our backers on Patreon. Jacob Johnston, thank you. Kyle Brown, thank you very much. Hans Brickhammer, thank you. Local Rock. Thank you very much. Adrian Thuma. Thank you so much, Adrian. Uh, Adrian did the cover art for the Paired podcast, if I'm not mistaken. BKM. Thank you. Kato. Thank you very much. John Williams. Thank you so much. Andrew Giota. Thank you very much, Andrew. Thanks again to everyone who supports us on Patreon. We would not be able to make these shows without you. And with all that out of the way, let's get back to the show
3: yeah, um, I'm thinking as she going back around my high concept, I'm gonna have it be something about being a defender, like something like
4: uh uh burning defender uh burning defender is wonderful, yeah. Awesome. And uh, for a cigarette over there. I've got He's a Menace,
0: um, <laughs> and I believe uh, that Balbadon is bad for society, uh, <laughs> bad for the, stra- the steadfast, bad for this country, really, and probably in league with the dwarves. Well wow, you're real Commissioner Gordon yeah. over here.
2: Uh, it sounds
0: more
4: like J. Jonah Jameson. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Give <laughs> so, yeah, so,
0: me pictures of Balbadon.
4: I so work for you, yeah. We've moved a little ahead in the process, but what I'm going to need you to do there, James, is jump down to that last aspect that says group, group. and write Balbadon as a menace down there. Okay. You're you're going to kick off that round of the action when we get there because you've, you've already instantiated something very, very good. Uh, the group aspect is one that actually names another character, and it ties you all together. So oh, fine. When I pull on one narrator thread, you all sort of follow a little bit. Yeah. You're the true uh,
2: puppet master.
4: That's right. Uh, so yeah, uh, the, th- the in regular fate, uh, the final three aspects don't actually have types associated with them, but I made them all typed because that makes uh, this type of generation much, much smoother. The third aspect is your clan aspect. There are nine warrior clans in Midgard. They cross all levels of society, rich, poor, everyone belongs to a clan based on who you actually are as a person with one exception. Mm-hmm. When someone is bone-bonded, they do not get a clan. Or well, you would have gotten a clan when you came to adulthood, but you're a secret bone bonded. Oh. And I'm a teen. I'm and you're a teen. So you are probably you've just joined a clan or are on the verge of doing so. I'm about a I'm about a rush. Yeah, just about. We're gonna get to yours last. I need, I need to let the uh, wheels turn I'll a little li- bit. Yeah, I like wild. the
0: idea of him being like kind of a teen, and all of his friends are like going off to join different clans, mm-hmm, and he's been putting it off. And also, he's a secret bone bonded. <laughs> yeah. What the hell? Yeah. yeah. Is so, there like
3: a test when you join a clan? That's like if you're a bone bonded, like your giant will burst out of you, and it's like, oh shit.
4: Well, so t- mm-hmm. so typically the bone bonding doesn't happen until adulthood it's like a mm. thing that is known in many other places well actually in this version of the setting maybe it's not so yeah there's totally they t- they test for bone bonded and your giant may rise forth if you actually have to go through the clan ritual
2: oh i gotta not i gotta keep being sick or something yeah
4: um uh, traditionally in place of that aspect you would write something that describes your relationship with the dead giant that lives in your head Okay, cool. So uh, let's do that, and then the clan thing can just be a fictional adjunct that we use Mm -hmm. uh, for all this. Here are the other nine warrior clans. Uh, The other three of you will choose one. They all have an aspect associated with them. You can write that aspect if you wish to, uh, or you can uh, do something to twist and describe your relationship with the clan. Here we are. The clan of the bear. The beast must be bested. The clan of the dragon. Rage is all the warmth we need. The clan of the hammer. The world is meant to be shaped. The clan of the horse. One with the wind, one with the land. The clan of the ox, we stand, we fight. The clan of the raven, there are worlds beyond what we can see. The clan of the snake, hide, wait, strike, bite. The clan of the sparrow, words are the true weapon. And the clan of the wolf, the pack is all. Hammer. The world is meant to be shaped. I'm thinking wolf or ox. Uh, I think I'm going to go wolf.
0: Okay. The pack is all. Uh, I'm definitely going hammer, baby. Awesome.
2: I would love to. I would love to join the um, the clan of the horse just so I could ride, ride away, <laughs> ride right away from your problems. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I think everyone else gets horses too.
2: You what got, is? It, are you no, kidding me? I don't have to join a clan <laughs> to get a horse. You got <laughs> to You
3: just gotta head out on that old gold road. Yeah. Oh. You gotta, yeah. Ride till you can't no more. There
4: we go. <laughs> but,
2: this is the 400th but, remix. But he's
4: got the giant in the back. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> The bone bond is attached. <laughs> My life
2: is a tabletop role playing game. Yes,
4: it is. So, what is the relationship that you have with the giant in your head? I feel like it's kind of a
2: love hate thing. Mm-hmm. Like Balbadon is so lame um, and freaking sucks, but sometimes Balbadon is can be cool. tells tells me cool stories from the giant times. And one time, he helped me beat the shit out of this kid. <laughs> Uh who's <laughs> causing some trouble and I just beat the shit out of this kid with my bone hands and I said if you ever tell anyone that you saw my bone hands Balbadon will come back <laughs> Uh it's cool when he's yeah when he lets me wail on bad guys that's cool but yeah it's, it sucks he's, he sees me pee and poo comments on technique a <laughs> lot I know. He's always yeah he's always telling me about...
3: That is a weak stream.
2: I'm like, <laughs> Come on. It hurts. It's not natural to push hard. Elevate your legs. <laughs> uh, can other people hear... Ba- oh, how about this? Balbadon speaks through my mouth.
4: There is actually a stunt that lets you do that.
2: Oh, it's a stunt? It's not just a normal thing?
4: It, no, it's not. But mechanically, there's a thing that, that lets that happen.
2: Okay, cool. So yeah. let's say most of the time other people can't hear Balbadon uh-huh. unless Balbadon is going full yeah. possession.
4: Yeah. So uh, let's let's distill all of that into... a a quick, pithy little phrase. Um, Oh, what
2: about uh, instead of the big brother program, it's the big bad brother program.
4: I was kind of thinking along, along those lines. So yeah, write that down. Big bad brother or big bad brother program. Cool. The fourth aspect is a sacred item. This is a noun phrase that is important to you. And I say noun phrase because it can be something physical in the world, like my grandfather's axe or my mother's shield, or something ephemeral, like my uncle's sage advice or my grandfather's last words. Uh, for the rune-scribed, it is your rune. Oh. And you get to describe uh, how it is actually, how it appears on your body. It could be a tattoo. It could be a brand. I've had people do a ring of metal embedded into their back, a birthmark, you know. Mm. So mm. how how is the rune of Degas- uh, how does it appear on your body? Um, I think uh, it
3: is branded, fairly large, right, uh, like on the top of Asta's chest, mm-hmm. so that way it always like sticks out over her clothing and things like that. Yeah, because it's this little like pointy bunch of corners. Uh, yeah, so I think it's like a large brand, and then around the brand is tattooed uh, all sorts of different things that Asta has accomplished.
4: Awesome. So mm-hmm. you have, like, a roll of deeds around your, mm-hmm. your, your brand of Degaz. Yeah. Wonderful. Uh, what is uh, your sacred item there, Sacred? What's most important to you?
0: Uh, my, nice, my nice things.
4: <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. And uh, Um, uh, It is a
1: length of, like, copper wire. Well, not copper. Like, metal wire, kind of the kind that you use to cut through clay. Mm-hmm because they just have it around it. It's a huge length around their belt that's very useful for lots of different things and also could be a slicing
4: weapon. A garrote. Yes. Uh,
0: now, you you say like the kind used to cut clay, did, does it like cut stone or metal? Is that like how you shape stuff?
4: Ooh, ooh that could be fun. Ooh. What a good idea. You, you sharpen blades by just like running yeah. the edge down it and making a keen just, edge. Just like shaves yes. off. Ooh. For a uh, name tense. Oh, perhaps. Oh, it's a curse. <laughs>
1: yes. Perhaps uh, skin.
4: Mm-hmm. Skin. Skin. skin.
2: Zarmac's uh, item, sacred item, is Mima's harness. Okay. Uh, which is like a. Is Mima the name of the horse or your grandmother? Mima is is Zarmak's uh, dead grandmother who performed the secret uh, ritual that gave.
4: Okay. Yeah.
2: That gave Zarmac the bone giant uh, who. Passed away. It's one of the things that he remembers her by, mm-hmm. uh, but also it is—it's like meant as like a foci uh, for sort of controlling the giant. Okay, and it's grown with him. Uh, nice, but he doesn't really know any of that. He just wears it as kind of a sentimental thing. Its real name is the Girdle of Eons, <laughs> uh, but he calls it Mima's <laughs> harness. That's it's just this little dumb thing I wear, I guess. Yeah,
3: no, I don't we'll, even we'll, know why. Yeah, just, my Mima left it to me. You, what was <laughs> Mima's
2: name? Uh, Meemaw. Uh, Mima River Drinker. I see you over there writing some romantic relationship with Meemaw.
4: <laughs> <laughs> L- no. Eliasis River Drinker is her full name.
2: Eleasis Eleasis Just her call name. her Mima. She's everyone's Meemaw. <laughs> the people's Meemaw, huh? The people's Meemaw. That's her finishing move. Good. <laughs> <laughs> She dual wielded pistols. Um, yeah, she was pretty cool. She'd ghost ride the whip, <laughs> which is the bone giant.
4: Yeah. Okay. Uh, now we're going to get into some of the more mechanical stuff real quick. Uh, you will see to the right of those uh, aspects, you have a set of approaches. In Fate Accelerated, we're not so much concerned with what you are doing as how you are doing it. Right? So you are going to tell me that you're doing your action with flair, meaning you're describing something flashing over the top, or with focus, you're really drilling down and trying to pay attention to what's going on. Force is obvious, that's physical strength and power, guile is subterfuge, haste is quickness, and intellect is your brains. Uh, you get to assign some numbers to those. You get to rate one of those at plus three, two of them at plus two, two at plus one, and one at zero. Uh, Just because it's zero does not mean it does not exist. If you put your intellect at zero, it doesn't mean you have no brains. It just means it's not your strongest suit. So your approach is, like I said, you will add those numbers uh, to your die roll whenever you attempt uh, an action. And on the cheat sheet that I gave you, you can see uh, what the actual actions uh, are. They're pretty straightforward. You can make a roll to basically do a skill check. That's called an overcome in fate. Uh, It's either a static number or I'll tell you, or I'll roll opposite you for the difficulty. You can attack or defend uh, to deal stress or try and prevent someone dealing stress to you, or you can create an advantage. Creating an advantage is making a new fictional detail that becomes an aspect that we can use in play. Um, Because aspects, the things we just made for your character, those are used in fiction. So if you roll your dice, you're not happy with your result, you will have a number of fate points. At your disposal. Fate
1: points. Now I remember.
4: (laughs) Yeah. You can spend one of those fate points to invoke your aspect, to evoke this fictional thing, to say, I did better on this role. Like, so for example, uh, if you don't owe life anything, like, well, I'm not going to, you know, make sure that that I'm trying to find a way to use that. My brain is locking up on me. I don't have anything right now. We'll find a way to make sure that that that, that can work. Um, What's your high concept there, Liz? A useful hand. A useful hand, yeah. So you're crafting something, right? Yes. And you don't do well enough on the roll. You're like, but I have a useful hand. I have to succeed.
1: I must you, need Yeah, succeed. you invoke
4: the fate point. You invoke the aspect and spend the fate point and get either a plus two on your roll or you can reroll the dice. But you need a
2: fate point in the first place yes. to do that. Like
4: and, a- and you do start with some.
2: Okay. So maybe if someone is trying to make me honor an obligation, I could be like, well, I've, I actually resist yes. because I don't owe life anything. That's exactly right. Thank, uh, you, yeah. thank
4: you very much for coming up with the fictional justification that I was struggling with. I really appreciate it. Well, I
2: don't owe life anything, so whatever. <laughs> um,
4: you get fate points back by uh, the uh, downside of your aspects being compelled by me. Where if there really is an obligation you should be standing up for and you are about to do so in character, and I think it's fictionally more interesting for you not to, I can offer you a fate point and say, yeah, but you don't know life anything. I'd be like, all right, well. And uh, and if you take the fate point, you then follow that fictional route uh, and you get more currency to use. Hmm. The aspects that you create in play that we will put down on index cards so everyone can see, they also get fate points on them. Those are really nice and a, a, a way that anyone can contribute in even a big knockdown, drag out combat because you can set up uh, fictional things for other people to use that the Bone Bonded, for example, could invoke in the big fight. And the other really nice thing about fate points that are sort of out on the table. Anyone can use them as long as you want, use, as long as the person who created it allows it. Your little personal pool of fate points, you cannot spend those on other people's behalf. So, create advantages, make fictional things happen in the world, and everyone gets more juice to use and uh, hit things harder or defend better. Cool. Yeah. Uh, you also have a set of conditions down below there. Those are the, things, the special things that you can do because of your destiny, right? So, uh, you, uh, there's Zarmak. You've got some of the bones. Right? You've got three boxes of that you can mark off. When you mark a box, you fictionally summon the bones, and the giant appears. Wow. Yeah. And then everything you do operates at a higher scale. You hit harder, you defend better, and the giant is physically present in the world.
2: Do I have limited bones to summon?
4: You only have three boxes, and so- every one of them has a recovery condition. So on the third sheet is the big, long explanation of what your condition actually does, and how you recover it. In your case, your giant has a worldly desire, something that uh, Zarmak the Destroyer or the liar misses about being alive. You have to indulge in that thing at a giant scale using your small human body.
2: My small small teen body. Yes,
4: so let's be careful with this one. This is where we can get into some real X card territory if you're not careful. Like if your giant loves ritualistic murder, like that's Mm. a thing that you then have to do but if people are not comfortable with certain things like there are things we should say, nope, we're not going to have that be the, the world they desire. So we need to workshop that a little what, bit since we have a teen. What about
0: something like working out or like doing something that this lazy teen would hate? Ooh, like,
4: yeah. That's yeah. a cardio. <laughs>
2: Uh, data entry. <laughs> uh, I'm going to think about this for a second.
4: Yeah. yeah, but but process that. So that, for example, that's how you get those boxes back, is you spend a scene indulging in that worldly desire.
2: Okay, cool. Mm. Um,
4: there are more dangerous ways to get them back. You can get them all back if you just let the giant take over and ride your body around for a while.
2: Cool, that sounds fun too. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's <laughs> both great options.
4: Yeah, the rune scribe gets their... Uh, their Runic power back by spending time sort of meditating and focusing and channeling the power. Uh, You get it back by, uh, I think, just spending time like maintaining your workshop. Yeah. And the merchant's is similar as well. Um, The crafter and the merchant, you each have five boxes of sort of your big thing. Yeah. Uh, So you have a lot of room to work with. The rune scribed and the bone bonded only have three boxes each because they're much more directly powerful in the world. Merchant, your big thing is getting debts and people owing you things. There is a track everyone has on their sheet off to the right side, uh, beyond stress, called indebted, where anytime you uh, need something from someone that is a big deal, you can, they can say, okay, do this thing for me, and you know, you'll owe me. And you mark a box, or two, or three, depending on how big the favor they're doing for you is, and you write an aspect that reflects your debt.
1: Okay. Yeah. So I could feasibly... As the crafter in the creation of a condition like my masterwork, I could mm-hmm.
4: people could be still also indebted to me, yes, or or you could be indebted to them, yeah. like if they're providing you resources. But if
1: I'm giving them a big b- sword, yeah. Yeah. yeah, or
4: you could owe someone a masterwork at some point, in time, oh, right, because that's because that's a big deal because okay. the the masterwork weapon that you have makes it possible for a regular ass human to fight like a bone bond yes, for yes, a little
0: bit, yes, yes, yes.
4: Yeah. yes, yes. Uh, and the merchant, you actually have extra boxes of indebted. You also can take on more debts. Yeah, I've, I've realized that. Yeah, for it's, sure. It's, it's, it's good stuff.
2: Um, uh, I, I thought about mine and I'm like, what about, what if, what if Balbadon the liar just really misses eating so many eggs?
4: <laughs> honestly, yeah, <laughs> honestly, no, yeah. If, if, if we want this to be, uh, what's that The fucking movie, uh, the prison movie where the guy eats all the eggs? Cool it's, Hand Luke? Yes, thank you very much. If we want this to be a Cool Hand Luke situation, we definitely can do that.
2: Yeah, it's a combo of that and uh, Gaston. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he just... Oh, I don't want to do this. I'll...
0: Yeah, he yeah. just loves. All right,
4: five dozen eggs. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, yeah. So uh, you've got a Worldly Desire uh, box right there. The
2: egg. Uh, well, you fine. studied egg. the blade, I studied the egg. Uh,
4: and then you also get to write a high concept for your giant, and you get to make a unique giant approach. So you get an extra approach at plus three. That's not like your flair, your focus, your force, so on and so forth. Like. And I get to choose the word? Uh-huh. Well And you get to use it at plus three, but only when the bones are out. Only once the bones are out. Uh-huh. All right, cool. Uh, <laughs> when
2: you get them bones
4: out, you get to, uh, you know, be a little special. Get to th- flex a little bit. The
2: high concept is, uh, well, I guess that's kind of like flair. Um, okay, for approach, I uh, one like Balbadon is called Balbadon the Liar, mm-hmm. and he loves eggs. I'm just imagining this, like, Giant, braggadocious bastard, mm-hmm. kind of like a like old Orson Wells, but like more athletic,
4: <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> an old athletic Orson
2: Wells. Yeah, like uh, we, we, we do things, champagne, <laughs> just like someone who on the set of a commercial would be very mean to everyone and just demand food and okay and talk about uh, how they were in the third man.
4: Uh, so, would something like wrath be appropriate for your approach? Ooh.
2: Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. yeah be, because that can encompass any number of th- actual things you're doing in the world as totally. long as you describe them that way. Hey, question. A group? We'll get there. That's okay. the last one. Okay. Uh, James, James played ahead a little bit on that one when he named another character. Uh. But I like to get the characters set and then do that last <laughs> bit. Gotcha. So
2: Giant, uh, high concept is giant ego, giant appetites.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does Balbadon
2: eat the
0: shells too? Oh, he just a hundred percent. I don't think
1: Valdón's yep. very dexterous. <laughs> <laughs> Real well, so, you know he
4: breaks them on his tummy like an otter. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and then smashes it into his face. I, I have a feeling that, that Balbadon likes to experiment with the form of egg consumption very much. Mm. And so you get a lot of Zarmac just like I've got eggshells on my left elbow because the giant decided to try and see if I could lick my own elbow with I don't know, like <laughs>
0: everyone in Zarmac's life, I'm tired of walking around eggshells on you. <laughs>
4: <laughs> he's like he's like pig pen with just a trail of eggshells behind him. <laughs>
2: I suppose He's giant ego with two Gs. He's a giant,
4: giant ego. God.
1: Let go. <laughs> I
4: want to go home. <laughs> On the uh, bottom of your character sheet, you will see a section called stunts. Stunts. Stunts are special things that you can do. Some of them, especially for the crafter and the merchant, they use boxes of your conditions, right? So that's part of how you mark off your... Uh, your conditions like by my hand and Mm -hmm. and so forth. Uh, Everyone starts with the ones that are in that box called stunts. On the first page of the document that I gave you, uh, underneath the description of your destiny, you will see that there are additional stunts that you have the option to take. You can take up to three of those because you start off with four fate points by default. Every additional stunt you take reduces your number of starting fate points by one, down to a minimum of one. Uh, if you do not wish to like go through those stunts and pick any of them now, that's fine. You can glance at the thing while we're playing and you go, oh, that sounds cool. I wish I could do that. I'll just take a fate point away from you and we'll mark it down that you have that in play. Cool. So I any- took all-encompassing rune Okay. Uh, could you please uh, describe to folks what that is?
3: Yeah. So one of my approaches, the flare focused force Skyle haste intellect group, um, has been replaced with the word dagaz, my rune, because I have burned myself before on using too much magical powers. Uh, whenever I use this approach, instead of using, uh, I must instead use my rune, as described in the other places, uh, and then whenever I use my rune in this approach, uh, it functions at giant
4: scale. Oh. Yeah, uh, which which approach did you replace? Flare. Okay, so anytime that uh, Asta would be flashy, she's actually using her rune, which is big and fiery and uh, blatant and loud and very very warm. Cool. Uh, any other uh, mechanical questions before we do the group aspect and then move on to actually uh, play this train wreck that we've created for ourselves? Yeah, I, I, I'm. Mm-hmm good so I'm excited I'm ready to uh to kill all the dwarves and have a big feast you know (laughs) yeah I'm gonna try and explode so um the group aspect literally names another character and uh they are unidirectional so for example Sigrid you already said that you don't trust Balbadon the giant no um and as long as you are cool with that as a player for that being a thing that's true in the world
2: hey it's not up to me you know I can't really control how others view Balbadon (laughs) fair enough
4: Uh, so, like I said, James wrote that down, the group aspect. I don't trust Balbadon, the liar. So I draw a little arrow over to Zarmak, and Zarmak, you now have to create a connection to either Asta or Jormald. Okay. And then that person will create a connection to the other, and we'll loop back to Sigrid, so we have a closed circle.
2: Asta, you are, you are rune-scribed. Mm-hmm. Maybe because Zarmak doesn't really have any immediate family, uh, classic... Like Orphan. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you wanna be one of the the caretakers of Zarmac. Sure. Uh, cause you're doing all your rune scribe Aww. stuff, but you also I can be your fire mom. You have to be my fire mom fire guardian. Like you,
4: yeah.
2: you I don't want to give you too much responsibility. I don't want to force you to be Zarmac's like caretaker, but also Zarmac doesn't really want a caretaker. So I'm I'm into
3: being your caretaker that you don't want. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> then
2: yeah. I love it. Yeah.
4: Cool. Yeah, then you would write down something like Asta raised me, or Asta took care of me, even when I didn't want it.
2: Yes, I love it.
4: Yeah. Uh, Cool. Then, uh, Asta, you then connect to Jormald. Hmm. Jormald, okay. I
3: think uh, that as part of my, like, rune-binding process and things like that, uh, Jormald is the one who physically did the brand and physically inscribes the tattoos onto Asta's skin.
1: I think that makes sense. Awesome, yeah. yeah. Cool. And yeah. whenever you need, like, bits
2: mm. and bops for your magical misdeeds. Yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah, so, uh, yeah, Asta sort of looks at you kind of like Q. Does
2: <laughs> does Asta know that uh, Zarmac has the bone bonded, uh, has Balbadon in him?
3: I think that could be interesting if Asta knows but... Uh, Zarmok doesn't know that she knows. Yes.
0: Okay. And she's also
3: been just not bringing it up and keeping this secret. Okay. Okay. I like that a lot. I I
0: like the idea of uh, Sigrid kind of leaning on Asta for the protection of the community most of the time. Uh, And I, I sort of like the dynamic, like, Asta absolutely knows how important the bone bond it is, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm dead set against it.
4: I, I like that as a, di- a dynamic. We won't call it out as an aspect because we only get one, mm-hmm. um, but I like that a lot. Uh, cool. So uh, Asta relies on Jormald for, to t- what, to tell your story? Because that's yeah. what your tattoos are? Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. or Jormald made me what I am with mm-hmm. the, the rune? Yeah, Jormald made me what I am. Awesome. And then, Jormald, you get to connect to Sigrid.
1: Oh, Sigrid is the source of my great
4: sadness. (laughs) (laughs) My relative,
1: whom we grew up with as children, and he has grown into something that I never
0: anticipated. And that sadness helps you make your art.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gross. (laughs) I love it. Nasty. You should be grateful. (laughs) (laughs) I went to art school. That's how it works. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, yeah, then uh, Jormald is responsible for my great sadness will be what you write in there. Oh. And with that, we have our characters finished. Is, uh, are
2: Jor- Jormald and Sigrid, are they related or? My brother. We're brothers.
4: Okay, got it. Is Sigrid, which one's older? What? I, you, you seem older. You I just sound I'm older. Old. I sound old. right. You sound old as hell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, did anyone start off by taking any additional stunts aside from Adira? Because I know about that one.
1: I would like to make my an, a quick NPC. Okay in order to leave uh, to be able to start working on my by my hand. Um can an npc be a little animal? Sure. I want an ancient turtle who helps me get my rare
2: earth minerals who I speak to. Wow, love it. What's their what's their name? Kevin. <laughs> Kevin the turtle. Can we say that Kevin is like the mascot for the the
3: hold
4: fast. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of like golden turtles on all the big ostentatious buildings. Well, they're they're hidden in places where Sigrid can't find them mm. because Sigrid Oh, really? Sig... I think oh, oh, I love this. Turtle. You love him?
0: Okay, cool, cool. I this turtle has become Mickey Mouse.
1: But I'm the only person who actually takes care of Kevin. <laughs> absolutely. We adopted him together, but I guess that I'm the only one who is really his
0: mom, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin the turtle merchandise is like Huge. No one
2: feeds me. I like that there's still like hidden turtles everywhere, and like you can only get 100% completion in this game of Iron Etta if you find all the turtles. turtles.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This is why we need the Game Facts guide for Iron Etta. Yeah, (laughs) because like (laughs) the.
2: 45th turtle is so hard to find. Mm-hmm. It's because you have to leave an apple in a specific yeah. place. And then, yeah, and then wait for four seasons to mm-hmm. pass.
4: I mean, you can get through the
1: story without getting all the turtles, but it you really finish it? <laughs> I mean, it gives you the best ending. Yeah,
2: if I true. was 13, I would find all the turtles, but I'm an adult. I have a job now, so I'll just <laughs> right? fucking get through the So the I'll game. find the turtles on company time. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. I'm in the bathroom
4: mm-hmm. finding those turtles. I'm scrolling through an Old Norse dictionary to see if I can find if there's an Old Norse word for turtle so we can name the holdfast. Oh, because I have a feeling that Sigrid uh, would have renamed it once the turtle became. Are
1: there turtles in Scandinavia?
4: Unknown. There are turtles.
2: Lots of places. True. I think they could have found out about turtles. Non-native yeah. turtles, invasive turtles. <laughs>
1: yeah, but, I mean, <laughs> the Norse people like
2: sailed fucking everywhere. Yeah. So. I mean. Mike Midgard. <laughs> just uh, just wow. That's just, just, just been in my <laughs> head. Just, just hanging that out there. Just I, uh, something I needed to <laughs> say. And yeah. now it's there. That was also that was there. gonna be the name of my uh Final Fantasy VII uh persona. That's good. I like the Midgard stuff the most, uh just because it was like cool to be in a weird, effed up city. Then you go outside the city and you're like, oh,
0: oh there's the- so much more of this game to play. Yeah.
3: Gross. I never played Final Fantasy VII. Nor okay. I.
4: Uh so Icelandic, modern Icelandic is about as close as you can get to old Norse. In the world now, the word for turtle in Icelandic is skjaldbaka. (laughs) Skjaldbaka. Yeah, so... uh, You should hand me that middle part right there, the top. Yeah, right there. Thank you. Skjaldbaka, love it. Skjaldbakaheim. Do you guys Ooh. all want to go to
2: Iceland Turtle later? <laughs> That'd be cool. Yeah. I think mean, it's yeah, pretty sure. cheap, right? <laughs> it no, used definitely. to be cheaper. The Wow Airlines, which was like the cheapest way to get there, which was like, I think state owned, like shut down recently. And oh, that well, sucks.
1: we're pretty cheap flights. It's not like they're making money.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, it was the, the tourism was really their mm. number one thing. Have you been to Iceland? I, I went last uh, summer. It was so cool. I think about it all the time. I try to convince people to go, but... People yeah, can't get over it. the egg smell.
4: That's where you get the, got that uh, set of Austin Powers trading cards, right? I brought those from oh, America. to Iceland. see when you did the, the Christmas video, I thought that I was getting Icelandic Austin Powers trading
2: cards. Wow, I really misled uh, That's okay. <laughs> a large portion of the people on the Patreon. Well,
4: you, you, you misled one person, anyway. <laughs> At least. If there's one, there's more. Okay. So, Adira, you took the one, the one stunt, so here's mm-hmm. three fate points for you. Uh, Mike, you did you take time. any additional stunts?
2: Yeah. I just decided right now to take Shatter the Bones. Yes. That's yeah. a cool one.
4: Yep. Uh, basically, Mike gets to make the giant's bones explode on the battlefield and Sheepers. hit a bunch of things around creepers Uh, you described your bone fists yeah and just the bone fists you might also look to reshape the bones um
2: you may rearrange your giant's bones to form them into a non-humanoid configuration once per session yeah i'll take that too then reshape the bones and and shatter the bones so
4: you only start with two fate points
2: that's fine That,
0: but you have sweet magic you've got a double transformation sequence Uh yes that's how you finish off every opponent.
3: Well, you gotta you gotta cycle through all the different levels. You can't just mm-hmm. go straight to Super Saiyan. Yeah. Like you gotta uh, go all the different get... things.
4: I ate the bones. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> go on. Uh, did you take any no. additional? Okay, so you start with the full four fate points. Yay. There you are, and Yay. James. Did you take any stunts? Oh yeah, um,
0: I, I am going a to take uh, shrewd negotiator uh-huh. and partnership. Okay. Uh, would you read those please? For a shrewd negotiator, you gain a favor from someone by marking a box of indebted, which I have so many of. Uh you gain a favor you, you gain a favor as large as if you had marked two boxes mm-hmm. of indebted. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, you right.
4: get a, you get a 2 for 1 deal.
0: This only applies to the first box marked. Okay, so for subsequent boxes, uh they need the usual boost. Okay, so I can only double the first box, yeah. but I, for two boxes, I can get yeah. a three favor.
4: And, and that's uh, that's per favor though, right? So if you go to a different person, Mm-hmm. When you mark your set, when you mark that box, that can also be worth two. Oh, okay, so yeah. it's per deal, really. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> and I also have partnership. I am not the sole owner of my business enterprise, and I can call in favors from a partner uh, without marking a box of indebted. Uh, if you do this uh, more than once per session, uh, they can do the same to you in subsequent sessions. Which sounds radical, I think. Uh, that Sigrid has no idea that he's created a, a dark accord with a partner that is just a dwarf or representative of the dwarven faction. Okay, so I've got this secret hidden partner who has like been floating the village for a while, but like wants me to get rid of uh, our our Bone Lord. Oh,
4: mm-hmm.
2: are are all dwarves bad?
0: Are
4: there good dwarves? Uh, canonically, there are not. Many good dwarves um, because what they what they want is so foreign to how humanity is living its existence that they might as well just be. They want socialized <laughs> medicine. <laughs> <laughs> they might as well be categorically evil. However, we don't have to have things so cut and dried. Uh, so they want to turn the entire world into, like, Cthulhu metal, right? Basically, yeah. yeah. They, they're Behind the scenes, they are uh, tying massive change to the roots of Yggdrasil, the world tree, and bringing those roots together. And where those roots touch, portals open up between Svartholfheim, their realm, and Midgard, your world, and silvery dwarven metal pours down and builds... Massive dwarven fortifications and poisons the land. I hate that. <laughs> I don't like. I hate when that happens. Yeah. Really ruins <laughs> a Saturday night. Tell you what, uh, would you pass those over to James, please? You get two. Uh, so there can there can be kind dwarves who don't align with their brethren. That's absolutely fine. Cool. Um, because there's also a a tree of lineage from giants to elves to dwarves in this version of of Norse myth. Uh So not all the dwarves wish to. Uh, heed the whisperings of Loki and regain their lost giant heritage by building massive mechs. Cool. Some are just cool being dwarves. All right. Uh, any last questions before we dive in here? No. It's freaking, okay. I'm ready. Wonderful. Well, heroes, that's it for One Shot
0: this week, but don't worry. We'll be back next week with more Iron Edda. In the meantime, be sure to check out one of the other amazing shows on the One Shot Network, like Arms of the Tide. Arms of the Tide is an actual play about fighting for what's right in an original magitechnological world on the brink of catastrophe using the mutants in the night system. Join Quinn, Joe, Chanel, and John and revel in the laughs and gasp at the drama. The only things standing against the apocalypse are a robot with a fondness for stray cats, a wolf made of living plants who has a bad case of depression, and a private eye who is so done with all of this. Find Arms of the Tide wherever you get your podcasts. As always, we end one shot with a call to action. And while I'm gone, I want to make sure that everyone is calling their representatives about issues that are important to them. Direct calls to their offices is one way representatives evaluate which issues are important to the public and where they should stand on those issues. Taking a few minutes out of your day to advocate for an issue you care about can have a real effect on how your representatives act in Congress. Now, when I call my reps, I use a site called FiveCalls.org. That's the number 5 calls. There, you can find information about different issues affecting the country, along with contact information for your representatives, and a script to read while you're on the phone to make sure you get your point across clearly. Calling is quick, and it can make a big difference. Thanks, heroes. If you want to inquire about ad rates, live appearances, commissioning episodes, or you have a general question or comment for the show, contact us at gamemaster at oneshotpodcast.com. One Shot is a production of the One Shot Podcast Network in association with Paracosm Press. Paracosm Press is a Chicago-based tabletop games publisher. You can find more information at paracosmpress.com.